Welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Faith, Fitness, and Freedom podcast, and I'm your host, Rebecca Tabert Contreras. And in today's episode, I'm going to talk to you about taking a stand for our freedom and why I believe this is a critical time in history for us to stand and be a active participants in protecting our rights and freedoms. I'm also going to talk to you about uh, the statistics and true just numbers and data um, surrounding the current virus and some other um, related topics that are happening as well as risk factors and the truth about what's putting uh, people at greater risk for the current virus, and as well as equip and empower you with some resources and even share with you my most recent experience with um, the virus itself. So with that, I'm going to jump right in. And first, I want to caveat this by saying that this episode is really standing for the freedom to choose. It is not about whether you support vaccines or you don't support the vaccine. It's a matter of, in my opinion, where we get to stand for each other in our ability to choose what we do from a health perspective with our body and specifically whether or not we choose to take a jab or not, whether or not we choose to disclose if we've gotten it done or not. And the reason this is such a sensitive topic is that I know the virus is very, very real. And I will tell you, I'm very much aware of the fact that there are Obviously, there are so many um, deaths that are related to this. Not any one person should ever have to lose their life. I understand that there are varying degrees of experiencing the virus. Obviously, um, death is, is not anything that we wish on anyone, nor do we want people hospitalized, and nor do we want people dealing with long-term effects of this virus. My point in this, and you've got healthy people that have had very significant from, I don't personally know anybody that's healthy that has had um, dramatic uh, symptoms, but I, 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 assume, I assume there are the, there are exceptions or there are cases of that out there, just as there are cases of people that maybe aren't as what you would normally consider healthy, normally taking care of themselves and yet they experience very little to no symptoms, right? I get that the experience with it is is uh, varies widely across the gamut. And I also know that it's a very sensitive topic because so many people have been impacted by losing a family member or losing a loved one or a friend or a coworker. I also understand that there has been so much fear that creates a very real response Um in the minds and even our physical well-being. And so with all of that being said, I just ask that you listen to today's episode with an open mind and understanding that what I'm going to share is uh, information that is available to you as well. I don't think that it is being shared or talked about as much as it should. And I think it's an opportunity to look at that and really just be asking questions why. So 
in caution for this episode and for this podcast, though, I will tell you that this sem- the censorship around this topic is very real. I know that there are many influencer accounts on you know Facebook and Instagram that have been banned or content has removed been removed. Doctors have been that have tried to get some of this information out in terms of maybe alternative solutions or kind of question the numbers um, as they're being and or the the mandates itself, right? Uh, they're being silenced. Doctors are, um, depending on what they're, like, for example, if they have alternative solutions that they're trying and they think are f- successful and are working, um, their their medical licenses are being threatened. Uh, Dr. Scott Jensen would be someone that's been vocal about this from really the beginning, early 2020. He was just questioning the way it was being reported. You can find him on Facebook and use that as a resource to, to verify that he's been very vocal about the fact that he was... Um, you know, taken into their local, uh, I, I forgive me, it might not, not have been local, but essentially um, when he started questioning the numbers and questioning the reporting, he was brought before the medical board and uh, potential risk of losing his license because of what he was speaking up against, um, being accused of spreading misinformation when he was simply looking at the data that was given to them. Um, Just within the last couple of weeks, my local sheriff, I live in Riverside County, California, and thankfully, even though we are part of California, which um, has, you know, kind of led the way in terms of restrictions and uh, invading our constitutional rights, our local uh, Riverside sheriff stood up and said that he will not be uh, making mandates required for his sheriffs. And in he did a podcast episode in which he talked about this and just talked about um, that forced vaccinations go against our constitutional rights. Uh, and he had to create a post on Facebook to let people know that a reporter had cherry picked some of the statements that they were using um, from supposed health experts. And I'm reading his quote, supposed health experts in an attempt to um, pin me as and the sheriff's in a negative light. Um, His quote goes on to say, there is nothing but sensationalism trying to gain readership and further divide Americans. I will not enforce a vaccine mandate on sheriff department employees. The information I have about COVID and vaccines is easily found and available for anyone wanting to find it. And then uh, Sheriff um, Bianco, Bianco goes on to say, in November 2018, the residents of Riverside County elected me as their sheriff. I stood before God and swore an oath of the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the state of California. It is my responsibility to protect the public from the criminal element, as well as being the last line of defense for tyrannical government overreach. The government has no ability and no authority to mandate your health choices. As your sheriff, I have no obligation. I have an obligation to guard your liberty and freedom. And that was from Sheriff Bianco. And by doing that, he's getting a lot of pushback and a lot of criticism because he's choosing to stand for our constitutional rights, right? Um, there are also effective medications that are out there, and I'll talk more about that later on, um, that you probably aren't hearing very much about. Um, and I will tell you some examples of where this is this is going, and this is why I feel it's so important for us to to be aware, be informed, and do what we can. Right? Not get overwhelmed. You might not be an activist, and I don't consider myself an activist either. Um, but what really take it to prayer and consideration, and remember uh, that one of the verses that I 
get to hold on to and bring front of mind is that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind, right? I get to remind myself of that continually because over the last year and a half, I too can get sucked into the fear and can get sucked into uh, what media is portraying, right? But I will tell you, the reason it's so important, in my opinion, if you are, if you feel like if you pray and you process and you make this own determination, I'll share some information with you below in terms of the facts. As you pray and process and start to watch what is happening, what can you do? What do you feel like you're being led to do? And um, know that if you feel like you're not led to do anything, that's okay too. <laughs> that we each have, you know, I'm not here to say any that uh, that you should be or shouldn't be doing anything. I'm here to caution that I there's a very deep concern that the moment our freedoms are taken away is the moment that we start to lose the momentum. They we did not come by them easily and we will not regain them. I, in my opinion it'll be a very slippery slope uh, very slippery slope. And I will and excuse my um my my voice and I might be stumbling over my words a little bit. Um, I think I shared at the beginning that I actually do have COVID right now. I'm healthy and I'll explain more towards the end, but it, it is showing up in my throat just a little bit. Uh, I want to give you another example because one of the things that I've heard throughout this um, last year and a half is, oh, that'll never happen, right? That will never get shut. It will never require vaccinations. We'll never require kids to go to school next year with masks. We'll never, like, uh, in fact, someone in my immediate circle has said repeatedly that'll never happen when I said, well, what about this or what about that? And a lot of these things have happened. So we need to look back and think, what did what has already happened that we did not expect would ever happen? Did we expect that small businesses would be closed for almost an entire year? Did we expect that we would be where we are today, you know, two years ago? right? The unexpected does happen. The impossible does happen. And it's not always um, in our favor, right? And so we need to not take that for granted and not expect or just kind of lean on complacency thinking it'll get better by itself or it'll go away or people will take a stand and not people are you. It's not people out there People will take a stand and it starts with us as individuals. San Diego, California is a county that is close, uh, not too far from, from me. And they, I guess it's been maybe a month back, two months back now, uh, declared that any discussion against medical free choice is misinformation. Now, how crazy is that? They basically eliminated free speech. If you want to say that you should be able to have medical free choice and that medical free choice is part of our constitutional right and part of our um, liberties and freedoms, then you're spreading misinformation, according to San Diego, California. And by doing that, they make it a crime. So how are we already here? right? And by the way, that happened after a 12-hour, 12 or 14-hour long committee meeting in which they had two-minute segments for people to come in and speak up either for or against. So 12 hours of people testifying that they did not want this to pass, and it passed anyways, three to two. So this is happening, and it's time for us to take a stand. And, And this is where it's so critical that I just 
man, I wish more people would understand this. And I pray that God will continue to work even within our community and believers, because unfortunately, the enemy is also working within our community of believers. And even within, you know, our, our fellow fellow Christian believers, fear does crazy things. And it's being used to create division and, and, and get us to, to, you know, come against each other instead of coming to each other with compassion and understanding, right? You get to make your own choice and I'm going to love and respect your choice for where you're at, right? And we get to do that for each other, even if we don't always agree. Of course, as believers, we want it to be within what God says to be true and, you know, God's word and all that good stuff. But my point is, is even for those that that feel like, well, it doesn't impact me, for example, the mandatory vaccine. You, someone might be thinking, it doesn't impact me because I choose to have a vaccine, because I want to have a vaccine, because of whatever. The challenge is, is that just because the mandate to vaccinate may not impact you now because you don't care and you're going to get a vaccine, it's the precedent that it sets for them to take a freedom away. Look at all of the HIPAA regulations that have been violated over this. Like that's not, that's like just scratching the surface, right? But all of these things that went through due due process, and that's what you want to consider as well is is executive orders made by the president of the United States are not going through due process. It is an executive order, so a single person is not meant to have that power right? A single person isn't meant to be able to, even a group of people, are. you're not meant to be able to override everything this country has been founded on at the stroke of a pen, right? And so we need to be looking at what is happening because as it's happening with each iteration, they are setting a precedent for what will be tolerated. It also goes back and what comes to mind, and this isn't my notes, but I, so I don't want to go too off on too much of an tangent, is tangent, but it is also true that it applies here as well, that we build levels of tolerance based on what we're exposed to, right? It's like the frog that is put into boiling water doesn't jump out of the boiling water, even though they could, because it's, they're slowly boiled to death, right? Their level of tolerance for the heat becomes, their level of tolerance for the heat rises as the heat rises. They don't even realize that they are literally sitting in a pot boiling to death that they could otherwise jump out of, right? And so the same is true when we look at, you know, for those of us that are older, what we are shocked by today compared to like what our parents were shocked by in terms of cultural norms or verses and songs or what is allowed on TV or what our children is exposed to, right? When you compare what used to shock our parents versus what shocks us now, it's because our level of tolerance has changed over time. Well, the same thing happens when freedoms are slowly but surely stripped away. It's level of tolerance. What little incremental freedom can be taken away? What little incremental right can be taken away and therefore building the gateway for even more to come. And we're coming off 18 months, almost two years now of first being told three weeks stay at home to 
to our businesses being shut down, to wearing masks, to um, not being able to see friends and family. There are so much going on. And again, that's not the point of this this podcast, but just even our own mental states, it's important to understand that we've been conditioned, not even from a, you know, and I'm not saying this is a political thing at all. I'm just saying the nature of the choices that have been made, right, wrong, or the other, whether you agree with them or disagree, the nature of the choices that have taken place over the last last 18 months, two years, has conditioned us to be where we are now and to see things differently than we did prior to all of these events happening. And therefore, the more that is tolerated, the more that is is to come. And so the moment we say, and we don't take some sort of stance or some like hold our ground in these requiring vaccine passports or requiring kids to have be vaccinated in order like we live in a, the United States. Did you ever think that kids would be denied the right to education based on whether they took a shot that they would uh, that is based the uh, the newest version of a flu shot? This is in when you look at the numbers, which is what I'm going to share with you today, and you can decide, in my opinion, the numbers no way justify this type of response, nor do the risks associated with, we'll we'll talk about that in just a second. So this is why I am so passionate about just speaking this word and giving you the resources so that you can have a perspective to consider and really take to prayer and decide what role you want to play. Maybe it's within your family. Maybe it's uh, reaching out to your local representatives and getting clear in your local city, your local community. That's where it starts. If you feel overwhelmed and you feel like I don't know what to do, find out what's going on in your local city, your local community, and find out how you can get involved if it's on your heart. And I get that we all are busy. We don't have time. Maybe it's writing letters to your representatives representatives, whatever it is for you. But truly, we will not have time to do the luxury, the freedoms that we know today if we don't make the time to push back on these topics, on this matter. And this, of course, this is just my opinion. And I am not a medical doctor. I don't have a you know um, medical um background or degree. And so you get to look at just the information I'm going to give you in the show notes. notes. It'll have the references for all the various places on most of this is from the CDC directly um, so that you can look at this itself. So I'm going to go in now to just some statistics. And again, these are statistics straight off of the CDC website. I actually, even though I interestingly had been working on this for a couple of weeks because I really wanted to make sure I had I's dotted, T's crossed to the best of my ability Please forgive me if there's a mistake somewhere. I am human, but I really spent time to make sure I've got the resources and the correct links for you guys that'll be in the show notes and all that good stuff. Um, and then interestingly, ended up with COVID, which I'll talk about at the end. So I re-updated these numbers just as of this morning. So it's the CDC website says that 64.3% of U.S. citizens 12 and older have taken at least one dose of the vaccine. 77% of U.S. 18 and older have at least one dose. 66.6, that's an interesting number, um, are considered fully dosed. Um, fully dosed is what my notes say, but it's fully vaccinated. Uh, Yet the seven-day average, this is what I want to point out, right? So 70, let's go with fully vaccinated. So fully vaccinated over 66%. 
77% 18 and older have at least one dose. Yet the seven-day seven day average was less than 50,000 new cases this time last year. And it's climbed to over 150,000 seven-day average over the last month or so. So if the vaccine is effective and 77% have at least one dose, why have the seven-day averages so dramatically skyrocketed? Not only that, but this jab, and again, I'm changing up some of the words because it everything is being censored and uh, they are, um, so I just want to be careful with my words, but bottom line. Um, the jab does not prevent you from contracting or spreading the virus. And let me repeat that because I still talk to people today that do not realize that just because you got vaccinated does not mean that you can't get the virus again, nor does it keep you from spreading the virus. Their hope is that it will replace your symptoms, reduce your symptoms, and obviously, ho hopefully prevent death. So let's look at those numbers for a second, because among let me look at this real quick. Um, the I'm going to give you the actual deaths. I'm just scrolling down for just a second. And again, not that anyone should lose their life. All I'm trying to do here, I, I honestly don't like looking at turning it into a number because there is a life associated with that. There's families associated with that. And it just, it makes me sad that anyone would lose um, their life. And, and having to go through that is, it's just horrific. It truly is. And I understand that. My point of looking at the numbers is that we need to look at the numbers in order to understand whether or not these choices that are ma being made for you are justified compared to numbers, the numbers of, well, compared to many things, but one of them being the numbers related to, like, there are other deaths that are still taking place every single day, heart disease being one of them, right? And we'll talk about obesity and health risks and all of that in just a minute. So when we look at the total, there are, as of this morning, 42,770,371 cases, and there is 684,884 deaths, right? Which is about 1.6% of the people that get the virus are losing their life, which that is horrible, it is also true that that is only about 0.2% of our total population, which is not much higher than the number number one, which is heart rate, or um, I'm sorry, heart disease, right? And what's frustrating is not that anybody should lose their life, but the what they're not talking about is all the adverse effects. Well, first of all, who is losing their life? So when it comes to COVID, 95% of the people that have lost their life have four or more comorbidity factors, meaning that they had other illnesses and there are plenty of doctors and uh, Scott Stevenson is one of them that would question what is being reported as a COVID death because 95% of the people that have been reported had four other comorbidity factors, meaning that they had complications before the virus only 5% of those that have lost their life died from COVID alone, right? And this is all within the CDC website as well, right? So the links will be down below. Now, the vaccine, which isn't being talked about enough, 
also has adverse effects. And so I will, again, share the link in the resource, but you can go again on the CDC site. Last time I checked this, and the time that it's taken me to write this, it actually looks like they'd put this site behind um, something else. So if you, by the time you hear this, if you um, have a, a difficult time finding it, um, you probably are going to, I'm going to give you the link that I have, um, and then hopefully it still lo- works by the time that this, this episode is up and you're listening to it, um, because it seems to be moving a little bit since just in the two weeks that I've been working on this um, episode. But CDC has a section of the website that lists all of the adverse effect from any vaccine, right? And there are risks in anything we do. But the point is, is to know, and that's what's not being talked about, that the vaccine, which we talked about, does not keep you from getting it, does not keep you from spreading it. There's risks associated with the vaccine. And whereas the risk of contracting the virus is higher when you are older and you have four or more comorbidity factors, there is risk for otherwise healthy and young people in taking the vaccine. One example, and I'm reading an excerpt direct from the um, the site, VAERS site, which is a section of the CDC, as of September 1st, 2021, more than 14.3 million doses of J&J Janssen COVID-19 vaccine have been given in the United States. CDC and FDA identified 45 confirmed reports of people who got the this J&J Janssen vaccine and later developed TTS. Now, T- TTS is... Um, uh, Thombroisis, reading the next note, it says women younger than 50 years old especially should be aware of the rare but increased risk of this adverse event. So yes, it's rare. And again, my goal is not to scare you either. It's just being aware of the facts. And I do believe that there are there are people that would be like the risk of them taking the vaccine and having some sort of um, adverse effect is better than the risk associated with them contracting COVID because they have other health factors and their risk of death is going to be higher. So if somebody has, is not taking care of themselves, they have four or more comorbidity factors, then the vaccine might be a viable option for them because it might save their life. For someone that's otherwise healthy, and doesn't fall into the high-risk categories within COVID, they have risks that need to be considered and talked about in taking the vaccine. And they should be given the option as to whether or not they choose to have that risk taken upon themselves. It's the ability to choose being taken away that we need to question. Uh, so when you do the side, when you do the um, the math on the side side effect and the percentages of adverse effects for the vaccine versus the percentage of of death if you do not have four or more comorbidity morbidity factors, you really get to look at that and decide what's best for you. It's also true that some of the side effects from the ma- vaccine they believe include um, miscarriages, cardiotachia, um, aneurysms, and these are happening in otherwise healthy people. Whereas the virus is still predominantly of impacting 45 and older, and 95% of the vests, like I said, have a four or more comorbidity factor. So why aren't these things being discussed, and why is freedom of choice being taken away? Those are the things to really ask and determine, regardless, again, whether you agree or disagree with putting um, this mandate in place, it's how far does this then go? And I believe this is especially true for us as believers that 
we the our belief system is not a popular belief system. I will tell you just as an aside, I'm part of a much le- larger uh, Facebook group where I don't I remember the exact number. F- I think there's fifty five thousand. It might even be much higher than that. And um, when it's a women's organization, that's all I'll say. And that the goal of the group, it's a free open group. Um, you can pay to be a part of it. And you. By paying to be a part of it, you can um, advertise within it and what have you. And within this group, I see uh, things like card pulls and intuitive readings and those types of things. Those are the most popular videos or posts in that group. I take that back. I just pulled it up. It's 510.4 thousand members in this group. I made a post that mentioned, and again, It might not have been appropriate for the group because I was just sharing a morning thought just as, you know, you would on your main page or whatever. So it wasn't business related or anything like that. But it it mentioned Christianity and it mentioned a couple other things. And that the response on that post was so visceral. And this is a group that is supposed to be created. um, And I get, you know there are challenges in any group or I'm not bashing this group in particular. It's just a good segment of population to observe and notice that the people are naturally women in this group are being drawn to this idea of tell me my fortune, tell me my future, tell me the direction of the business of my business based on pulling a card. Tell me all these things, but you mentioned faith, you mentioned God, you mentioned our belief system and it gets a very visceral response. And so That to me, and you can take it for, I'm trying to give you as much facts as possible so you can make your own decision. But to me, that is an example of how our belief system like is not of the popular opinion anymore. And I don't know that we ever have been and I'm not whining. I'm not, it's not a pity party. It's an observation that our ability to show up and practice according to our morals, according to, I don't know if I like the word moral, but according to what God says for us to do in the, in, in his word is going to be at risk at some point. It already is in many factors. State of California churches were one of the things that were closed down for the longest period of time. Being denied the right to worship together in person was a long standing in the United States. So my point is, is that we stand for freedom for each other, regardless of belief system now, right? So I want to go back to the risk factors. And this is another thing to to consider is that the reality, and again, there's no condemnation. For those of you that don't know, I have my own story. I really battled that you can go back and listen to episode one. I battled with um, food that turned, I was emotional eater, turned eating disorder. I struggled for a long time. So there's never judgment for me. It's one of the things that, one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about helping women create specifically Christian female leaders now, but, um, you know, for over the last 12 years left corporate America, and I'm super passionate about helping women create their own transformations and doing it the right way. Right. So there's no judgment or no condemnation, but I'm always going to tell you truth and love. And the truth is that before this virus came upon us, it was always true that to the extent in which you are carrying extra weight is to the extent in which you are exposing yourself to greater risk for all kinds of diseases, even common colds. But 
everything from the common cold to type 2 diabetes, which is 99.9, and that's just anecdotal, don't quote me on that statistic, a lifestyle choice, right? It's controllable. It feels like it's out of control. It feels like it's always been that way because that's what your family is. But if it's type 2, it's the habits that you've adopted, not some gene. So the point being that the reality, the truth that might be a little hard to take on in is that if you are overweight, you are at even greater risk for every th- those things that I mentioned and more, and you're at greater risk for experiencing greater or um, harsher symptoms and potential death from COVID-19. And as much as I love you and I hate those words that come out of my mouth, but that is the truth. And if you have struggled or if you've not stood up for this in the past, now is the time because there is no time like the present to just start working. The reality is that even again, right off of the CDC site, it, it I'm reading from an excerpt from their site, obs- obs- excuse me, still getting tongue-tied getting over this, um, obesity worsens outcomes from COVID-19. Adults with excess weight are at even greater risk from or excuse me, risk during COVID-19 pandemic. And it goes on to um, list things like obesity, risk of severe illness from COVID-19. People who are overweight may also be at increased risk. Obesity may triple the risk of hospitalization due to COVID-19. Obesity is linked to impaired immune function. Obesity, which having a strong immune system is like your key weapon in Uh, faring well through COVID-19. Obesity decreases lung capacity and reserve and can make ventilation more difficult. A study study of COVID-19 suggests that risk hospitalization, intensive care unit administration, invasive medical or mechanical ventilation and death are higher with increased BMI, right? And it goes on to list the risk factors associated with uh, carrying the extra weight. And not to mention the underlying um, risk factor or the underlying factors that are prompted, right? So another straight from um, the CDC website, and this is what still like all through this last year, I have heard because I've looked, I've heard a handful of leaders talk about the health and talk about what you can do to equip and empower. Short of wearing a mask and washing hands or using hand sanitizer, what can you practically do to build your immune system and create health so that your body does what it was created to do? And that is fight off virus disease, all the things, right? To equip yourself. It doesn't mean that you won't Um, potentially still get the virus. It doesn't mean that you won't potentially get a disease at some point in time, but it means what are you doing so that you are doing your part to prevent it as much as you can. And it is so hard. And that's why I'm so sensitive. And I, I hope and I pray and I trust that you can hear my heart on this because I know it is so freaking hard. If you've been battling with weight for, you know, the women that I've worked with sometimes have been battling for years or decades, right? And you've tried all the things and feel like nothing works and success and all these other aspects of life, but can't seem to get this thing on, under control. And that story is for another day. But 
I will tell you it's because this is the thing. This is the thorn in your, if you struggle with weight and you struggle to get it under control or make it sustainable, that's the thorn in the side that the enemy is using to keep you discouraged and distracted just enough to keep you from fully experiencing and hearing all that God has for you and fully experiencing giving it out, right? So even though you're successful, it means you've got even more in you when you are able, you're equipped and you're empowered with right tools and resources. And I'll tell you, the part of the challenge is, is that so many people are led to believe that it's food and exercise. And that's a very small part of the equation. But if that was the solution, then you'd already be where you wanted to be. So clearly, it's not food and exercise, right? It's part of it, but it's not the foundational difference. The foundational difference is what I get to work with clients on. But the point of this episode is that in this aspect, having the awareness and the tools and just starting small, going back to understand and claim that verse, right? Don't even let what I'm sharing with you today create any ounce of fear. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus that there not be any fear, but that there be peace and understanding that peace that surpasses all understanding, right? As you figure out what is the next step for you, what can you do? What can you do to take a step in the right direction towards your health for yourself and for those that you love? What can you do to stand for the freedoms that are going to impact you today? and or the decisions that you want to make tomorrow or six months from now or a year from now or the environment that we're uh, leaving as a legacy for our kids, right? But understanding and asking yourself this, if it was truly, when it we talk about the powers to be, and I'm talking about not all government, not all politicians are bad, right? People are people and you know, you got good, bad, and ugly and every mix and sort and contorium of them, whatever that word is, right? But my point is, is that if the concern was health, why have they not been doing more to talk about this very clear, even according to the own CDC website, this very clear factor in managing weight and or building your immune system so that you don't get it in the first place or that your symptoms are are reduced, as of um, the CDC, again, CDC resource, 42% of the United States is obese as of their 2017-2018 data. And I guarantee you that number has gone up. 73.6 are considered to be overweight. So if it was health, why haven't they been addressing that issue? Right? Ask yourself why that isn't being discussed. Right? I will tell you, my opinion is that it is difficult to be at a healthy weight, and it's not all about food and new and uh, uh, food and exercise or food and movement. Those do play a part, right? But if you don't, it's not a one of the things I got put on my heart to 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 articulate lately is that it's not a it's not a food problem; it's a thinking problem, right? And so it there is more to it than that. But they could at least start with doing something or educating about foods, educating about sleep, educating about stress management, educating about movement, fixing the food paradigm so that it's actually a food pyramid so that it's actually a healthy pyramid, not based on what they subsidize, right? But those things aren't being done. Yet, so here we are, 73% of the United States is overweight, right? And being overweight, again, direct from the CDC, is associated with several other conditions, which includes cardio heart, cardiovascular heart disease, which was the number one cause of death in 2019. It's also um, 
a factor in high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, sleep apnea, arthritis, um, the list goes on, right? So my point is this, be aware, be informed, and look at the ability to stand for our freedoms and stand for information, stand for freedom of speech, stand for freedom of choice. Uh, One of the things that I want to share with you as well as an example is um, Dr. Robert Jackson, just this last week, 922 as of the, um, or 922 is the date that he testified in front of the Southern or South Carolina Senate subcommittee. Um, and he testified in that, and I'll put a link to this in the show notes as well, that he was told if he continued, this is a, a man, and I really would love for you to listen to it. It is about 30 minutes, but it kind of sucks you in because it's just really good um, in that he first starts off in his testimony explaining how hand washing came about and that the first person to ever, first doctor to ever um, introduce hand washing, and he steps through how he observed the difference in death rates within the their hospital. Uh, when they started implementing, because their students were going from the morgue to post uh, postpartum patients, and when they started to recognize that they were going straight from the morgue to postpartum, he started implementing just simply washing hands before they went and saw these women, and death rates dramatically went down. He was made fun of, but something about that we know as common sense today, and that we all do to wash your hands, he was ridiculed and. Um, eventually they, they put it in and then they took it back out and death rates went back up, right? And so in the beginning, hand washing was considered crazy. But given doctors, it was in fact, the uh, Dr. Jackson talks about the fact that it wasn't until 50 years later that it was implemented across the board as a policy, right? And so it's always the, uh, the innovators that are looked at as questionable or... Um, whether or not they have their wits about them or or what have you, right? Until it's proven to be effective, right? And so here we have, for example, there's, and I'm going to dash this one out, um, but it's Iver dash mech dash 10. So just take the dashes out, right? This is a um, medication that is a generic drug that has been around for 40 years. And this medication is something that Dr. Jackson in his testimony knows has proven to be helpful for his patients in um, reducing reducing symptoms. And none of his patients that started the ivermectin ended up in the hospital, he says, except for one who came to him too late in the game. And he is a 40-year physician and says that he's never seen a time where he is being told by his hospital administration not to do. They gave him a, or they came to him because he was, he has the highest prescription rate for this um, solution. And they wanted him to back off. And he says that he was in no, so not so many words told that if he did not back off from prescribing this solution that is helping his, his patients recover from this virus if he did not back off from prescribing it, he would lose his job. Why is that happening? Right? And in this, this, uh, this is not isolated. It, he is not the only one. And this medication is proven is one of the safest drugs on the market. And 
an example that he gave is that one person per year has a death associated with ivermectin. Nope, oh, whatever. <laughs> but Tylenol, which I did not know this, Tylenol has 500 deaths associated per year with it. So you can imagine not only that, but he gave examples of, for example, Peru distributed this solution and their, their, the administration distributed this solution to all of their citizens and the pandemic was virtually gone. New administration came in, stopped the production or stopped um, giving it to citizens. The pandemic increased and came back. The new administration realized their mistake, redistributed it. The pandemic was gone again. Mexico City, hospitals were at capacity, started using this solution, and hospitals dropped back down to 20 to 30, being at 20 to 30 percent capacity. Similar results in Pradesh and in Argentina. And yet, it's not, it's now anyone in the United States that is talking about this is being censored, is being um, banned or content taken down as misinformation. I know a couple of, uh, you know, quote unquote influencers or what have you that have personal experiences with this. And one in particular who most people know is Joe Rogan um, talks about this was one of the solutions that he used to recover from it. And they're trying to like say that, you know, put him in a negative light because he's like, all, all I can do is tell you it worked for me, right? Um, and he has clips from all different sides, all different sides. And on his own show, he has a um, podcast, uh, Rogan Experience, and you can also get it on YouTube. And so he has short clips from all different angles, all different perspectives, all different, you know, quote unquote, experts with different positions, right? But in this particular instances, he's sharing his experience and the solution he used to feel better and to recover quite fairly quickly. And mind you, he takes decent care of himself to begin with. But my point is, is being, my my caution to you is, is to be aware and to be reminded that God did not give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of power and a love and of sound mind. And we get to come together and we get to love each other and we get to stand for each other, whether or not, you know, regardless of whether we agree on every single point, we get to stand on God's word and some of the inalienable rights that he has given us, right? And if we, in my opinion, don't start to take a stand now, it's going to be it's not going to be far down the line where things that you do care about are taken in terms of freedom of speech or freedom to whatever the case may be. Like the fact that we're looking at in the state of California denying kids access to free education based on whether or not they've taken a particular jab that is essentially a flu and given the in my opinion, given the numbers that don't support requiring it by any stretch of the imagination, not only that, but it's not gone. None of this is going through due diligence. It's all being arbitrarily um, decided. Uh, it, it's just unacceptable. It, and it's something that we get to um, look at with reverence and take to prayer, but also, um, you know, be praying for the decision makers, being pray, be praying for um, our local people and look at where you can get involved. Reach out to your local congressmen, your local representatives, reach out to um, see how you can get involved and see when and where to be vocal, right? And don't feel, like I said, it, you get to pray and you get to take all this into consideration. You get to look at the links and you get to do your own, um, you know, uh, 
looking through the data, but please, I just encourage you to take some time and, and look and make some decisions. So this one has been a little bit longer than I normally anticipate, but I do want to share with you, as I promised, my most recent experience with COVID-19 be in the hopes that it will um, help you. And then also, I do want to caution you. It is, um, the reason is that it, it isn't what they thought it was either in terms of symptoms, right? For all of 2020, we were taking our temperatures all the time. Well, I didn't have a temperature at all, ever, actually. And I started feeling a little bit of a sore throat. Uh, right now, as I've recorded this video, it's a Monday. And so I started feeling a little bit of a sore throat late on a Tuesday night. And I 100% just thought it was because that morning, it's starting to get a little bit chilly for our version of chilly um, in the mornings. And I had gone I left the house with wet hair and it was cold out. And I, some people say that's a wives tale, but hands down for me, that always happens. I end up getting a little bit of sore throat that just kind of goes away within 24 hours. So, but at the first sign of having a little bit of a sore throat, I stayed clear from the rest of my family because even giving someone a cold at this point isn't clear, isn't cool because it's just, there's so much tied to like, even if you sneeze in public, I have periodic allergies. And every time I periodically sneeze, I have to, I feel, I feel this need or this compulsion to say, sorry, it's just allergies <laughs> to those people standing around as everybody kind of moves away from you. Right. Um, so Tuesday night I started staying away from a family. I'm super grateful. We have a separate bedroom that I can, can go into. So it's, it's, I, I get that we're, um, where it's easier for us or we're blessed to be able to, um, separate like that when needed. And uh, Wednesday morning, I didn't do my normal routine. I thought I'll just stay home um, again, just because giving anybody uh, a cold or anything like that. And I'm thankful that I get to work from home. So by the end of Wednesday, I started to feel a little bit of a chill off and on, but no temperature, still just thought it was a cold. By Wednesday night, I decided, okay, I just want to confirm by that time I was having a little bit of a runny nose. So I really thought I just want to confirm that it's just a cold so that I can go back and do my normal stuff with a good conscience, right? I do have a local gym that I work out with um, now, and I didn't want to go back in there even with a cold unless I confirmed that it was in fact just a cold. And then even there, I would stay pretty clear of everybody. But my point is, is that that next day I got a test. And so by Friday, I had the result back and I was pretty shocked that it was positive. So my point is, is that I never had a fever. I never had um, some of the, well, when I went to schedule the test, I learned that sore throat, runny nose, some basic things are, which is symptoms for a common cold too. So it's really hard to, to discern, but I would caution you to like be diligent and be mindful of yourself and of other people. I do believe that one of the reasons my symptoms have been mild was because I take good care of myself. I eat, um, you know, I talk about the fact that I, I really do eat what I want to. It's just my want to's have changed over time. And so for the po most part, my want to's are, um, you know, good food. I take, make sure I get my sleep. I ha get regular movement in. I continually work on my ability to manage stress and emotion. Um, and so I take care of myself in those ways. And then as soon as I started feeling the cold, I upped my vitamin C, I upped uh, vitamin D and zinc. And then Friday afternoon, when I did get the test for positive, I found a resource for the medication that I was talking about, the solution that I was talking about. Saturday afternoon, I took my first dose and within a couple, although my 
symptoms were, I also had an achy back, a headache, but again, it's hard to tell. Um, I have a grumpy back. I my I should say my back, I don't have, but I'm very careful in languaging. My back tends to be grumpy sometimes. So it was difficult to discern whether it was just because I wasn't moving as much or if it was the virus. I um, know now that it was the virus that was creating that a little bit and a little bit of a headache. Uh, but relatively speaking, obviously my symptoms were mild and, and thankful for that even still, um, and fatigue, definitely fatigued off and on, um, uh, throughout the, the, as t- that really kind of started maybe Thursday, Friday. So I'm like, okay, I'm definitely tired more than others. But again, when your body's recovering from something, it's not like it does that by sleeping. So that's also natural, even with a cold, uh, when I took the first dose of the medicine within a couple of hours, I could, now I'm very in tune with my body just because I've, it's, that's one of the things I teach is being a student of your, your mind and body, right. In terms of how you're feeling and what's going on and really just paying attention. That's all it is. Um, but within the first couple of hours, I could feel a shift. I could feel a difference. And I can honestly tell you my, from there, my symptoms did not, I would say they did not progress. They've shifted a little bit. Like today I'm congested and I know it's not an ideal day. Thank you for tolerating my voice. But I honestly had this, uh, this episode on, um, my laptop for the last couple of weeks as I was taking the notes and getting all the resources and I just didn't want to put it off any longer. Um, and, uh, being able to, to, um, use the medication though. I, I know for me it worked. I know for me it was, um, it stopped this, the, the progression. And even though I'm still only on what it'd be like day six, I guess, or yeah, maybe that, but maybe five, um, I'm claiming victory. I can tell you, I feel even better than I did when it was, you know, probably the highlight was maybe Thursday or Friday, but again, not even that bad, or I guess it would have been Friday, Saturday. Um, and so I can only tell you that it worked for me. It helped me. In addition to, I do all the things that are right leading up to that. In addition to, I upped my vitamin C, um, gave myself time to sleep and, and really listen to my body. And even now, and even yesterday and even today, like if I start to feel tired, I'll rest. Right. So it's, it's learning to not feel like you have to push through. Um, but it definitely made a big difference for me. So all of that, the goal of this episode is to encourage you to really look at what you can do in your local environment, in your family, in your, um, community to really be a stand and be a voice for freedom if you feel called or led to do so. And maybe you feel called or led to do so, but you don't know what to do, or you feel nervous or intimidated or scared, or you feel like, who am I? I would encourage you to let God speak into that for you and really just pray over it for wisdom and discernment and look for resources and be mindful. Make sure you don't go down a rabbit hole, but But uh, determine in partnership with God, ask him, invite him in, right? He cares about our details. Uh, And of course, you can always reach out to me. Our Facebook community has been revamped. If you missed that, it's called Female Christian Leaders, and we would love to have you join us there if you're not already there. Um, we don't talk about just um, health and fitness, but I, in revamping it, we're uh, working on collaborations from female Christian leaders of all different spectrums uh, because I do believe that when we work in collaboration together, we'll rise even higher to help glorify his name. Uh, and then, of course, if you 
are a female Christian leader with 30 pounds or more to lose, and you would love to drop those body and soul pounds for good, then I would encourage you to look into Kingdom Fit Academy. So you can go to RebeccaTabert.com forward slash Kingdom Fit Academy. So as of the taping of this episode, um, we are in just the last week of September and registration for Kingdom Fit Academy actually officially opens um, in just a couple of weeks, but you can go there today, get on the list, and by doing so, you'll have early access to some special bonuses. So as always, I love you. I thank you for um, letting me be a voice in your life, and I would love to hear from you and either through that Facebook group or you can always uh, email me at Rebecca at RebeccaTabert.com. Talk soon. And if this episode was helpful, I would appreciate if you like, comment, leave a review, share it with a sister that you think will be empowered by it too. Thank you for that. <laughs>